This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, I've been pretty good. Um, pretty busy weekend, but yeah, pretty good. How about you, Bryce? How's it going over there? Yeah, yeah not too bad. Um, well, definitely not be uh, talking about uh, Premier League uh, today. And that that's fine, Manu. Why? Why? So, why not? What happened? Oh, you you know too well that my team uh, lost. But the less I talk about it, the better. Sometimes, you know, I just completely ignore that that league even happened when something like that happens, which is which is fine. That's why I enjoy MLS and Bundesliga, um, I suppose, because um, I'm not as uh, closely tied to those, so I can watch it and just enjoy the leagues for what they are. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice, you know, watching leagues where you where you're not socially. We're not involved in emotionally. I think that's um, the nice thing about Liga MX for me, for sure. You know, and that's yeah, it's it's kind of nice. You can just watch and um, watch the games, enjoy them, do a little bit of analysis, and be in awe about all the craziness that takes place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there there'll be teams in different seasons, different campaigns that you prefer, and ones that you uh, well pre- prefer less, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to to watch or for different reasons. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's nice to be able to turn around and go, oh, wow, look, such and such lost. And mm-hmm. you know, well, look at that result. That was interesting. Um, unfortunately, I can't really do that with the uh, Premier League when certain sides are involved. But let's move on. We're, uh, today, we're going to talk, uh, start um, off with, I, I did announce it as the Mexican Football Podcast. We're going to go slightly further afield and slightly further north. Because, uh, Manu, you, you made a good point that the MLS, it was... Um, well, it was a decision day at the, at the weekend, wasn't it? The last game of the uh, the campaign um, before it goes into the playoff stages, and so you felt that it would be a it'd be worthwhile to, to mention that and, and discuss it a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, you're going to be out on your own a little bit. Um, I uh, I've tried looking a little bit uh, at MLS to to see what I what information I can gather, but um, I have a feeling that you'll be a, a little bit more clued up on all of this because you've you've went to a few uh, White Caps games, haven't you? Yeah, we're actually accredited as the Football Grad Network uh, for the Vancouver Whitecaps, yeah. which um, means we cover MLS quite a bit. And um, 
I get to see the Vancouver Whitecaps very frequently. I've seen, I would say, the vast majority of the games. Of course, the games that I did miss was the, the mid-season games. And I'm saying mid-season because MLS is on that weird um, spring to fall schedule. Um, this is why also, you know, people are saying, hey, wait, what end of the season decision day and all that. Yes, their regular season ended um, because they basically closed shop in early December and then start a new season in March. So this is what the, the March, um, the, the spring to fall season means. And um, so if you missed the, the, the mid-season games, because we were obviously over in Europe, right, Bryce, and covering Bundesliga and doing all sorts of things. Um, but um, I've seen the Whitecaps now last few weeks and they had a phenomenal run towards the playoffs and maybe that's where we start with the decision day decisions because in the western conference there was a lot of decisions still to be made again western conference eastern conferences two conferences in mls like just like they do in all the major sports in north america so they split it up mostly because of geographic reasons and in the west vancouver could have finished first um with by getting just a point at the at portland um portland timbers which is one of the most difficult stadiums to play it's it's a beautiful stadium and uh, if you haven't been there and you're interested to get involved in mls i think this is actually the stadium one of two stadiums in mls that are absolutely worth going to um best atmosphere in any facility outside of europe i've ever seen um they have a guy called timber joe behind in front of uh, the main stand who saws off a piece of lock every time they score a goal and then holds it up in the air and then the, <laughs> the heads of the Timber Army signs the piece and then the player who scored the goal signs the piece and um, I, I knew the, the president of the Timber Army and uh, we when the last time we went down there for an away game he invited us to their pub and the, the main supporters pub in downtown Portland and they have a wall where they just have the best pieces Um of what cut, you know, the best goal scored in club history, they're hanging on the wall all over. So it's a pretty cool piece of information, cool piece of history. Uh, Portland Timbers is one of the historical clubs in the MLS. They founded in the 70s. Actually, at the same time, around the same time, than the Whitecaps, and same with the Seattle Sounders. So that Cascadia trio, they basically, the three of them, um, were battling for first and second place in MLS, and um, the Whitecaps were down there, and they lost, which meant they they finished third, and the Timbers finished ended up finishing first, and actually won the Cascadia Cup as well. And the Cascadia Cup, oh man, I'm getting really involved in this, aren't I? The Cascadia Cup is a, a mini tournament that they play inside the league um, between those three sides because they are in the geographical area called the Cascadia, which is where I live, Bryce. This is actually called the Cascadia region or the Pacific Northwest, okay. which is which is Oregon. Washington State and British Columbia, and um, those are the three biggest cities, and therefore there's a big rivalry between the three of them. And uh, Vancouver was the Cascadia Cup holder, so it was not just for first in the Western Conference, but it was also the decisive game in the Cascadia Cup. And Vancouver lost this game, and therefore the Timbers actually ended up winning the Cascadia Cup, got first place in the West, which means that they are going to avoid an entire round. They're getting a buy in the first round of the playoffs, Going straight to the semifinals um, of the Western Conference, and um, same with the Seattle Sounders, they won their game, so they're going also straight to the semifinals. And Vancouver has to play now an extra round against um, San Jose. So that was decision day in the West. Um, really exciting. Um, San Jose actually is the side that we covered. We covered that game against against them um, last Saturday um, or last Sunday actually on uh, over at Football Cidade. 
And um, they needed a draw in Vancouver and a win on the last match day to actually sneak into the playoffs, and they got that. So they're going to be um, a very tough opponent because they've been basically in playoff mode. And this is something that we often man- mention on the when we talk about Liga MX, right, Bryce, that the teams um, have have to be hot when they go into the playoffs. So um, San Jose had to basically battle for a playoff spot um, for the, the last few games and therefore are already in playoff mode, which could be make a tough opponent for the Whitecaps in that first round. But game is at home, so I'm slightly optimistic that the Whitecaps will take that hurdle this Wednesday and um, come out ahead. And, um, you know, get into that semifinal where they would meet the, um, Seattle Sounders, which is, of course, a rivalry, a derby. It would be a big match to watch. And then briefly about the East, um, Toronto FC, another Canadian team. So pretty good, uh, pretty big weekend for the Canadian sides. They broke the MLS season record by getting 69 points in 34 games. Um, the most that any team has ever achieved in the regular season. So congrats to them. They finished first. Massive favorites, no. fame, yeah, massive favorites to win the, uh, the title, the MLS Cup. Of course, finished second last season in a shock defeat to the Seattle Sounders. And they were facing Atlanta United in the, um, in, in the last decision day game. And Atlanta United with a win could have actually finished second. And that, that huge, huge for an expansion franchise. That's the first season ever in MLS. They, of course, they're coached by Tata Martino, um, big name coach who used to coach Barcelona, right? And uh, he's basically done the impossible and uh, guided a team that didn't exist last year straight into the playoffs, finishing fourth in the in the East. And to put this into perspective, Bryce, when you actually take the overall points and you put Western and Eastern Conference together, they would have actually finished fourth overall in the league because they have more points than any team in the Western Conference. So a huge achievement for for that side. And I think they're going underdog in in the playoffs. And and something great is going on in Atlanta. They um, playing in that Mercedes-Benz Arena in downtown Atlanta, which was open for the Falcons, and they broke a new MLS attendance record last on Sunday um, with 72,000 people on the stands. And they've been averaging, you know, that pretty much every game has been a sellout for them. Um, and, you know, which is just spectacular. They average 48,000, um, spectators a game, um, this season. So, you know, big side, um, coming into MLS right away, being welcomed by the, the good folks down in Georgia and, um, an interesting one to follow. So, you know, playoffs to start, as I said, on Tuesday and Wednesday with the knockout round. Single, single, single elimination. Um, New York is playing Chicago. Chicago, of course, with Basti Schweinsteiger. Columbus are facing Atlanta. And then in the West, San Jose is playing with the Whitecaps. And, uh, Kansas City is playing Houston. And then it goes into the conference semifinals, um, which are home and away. So yeah, you know, that's pretty much wraps up decision day. And I think it's, it's going to be an interesting one to follow. You know, we have as a long-term project in mind to do an MLS podcast. Um, it's basically that we need the, the resources and the people to run it. But, um, you know, as the, the league is growing and I always say jokingly, it's the Liga MX's little cousin. It's definitely something that we want to focus a little, little bit more on, um, as we grow as a football grad network. And I think every once in a while, until we have that special podcast prize, that's something that we can always bring up on this show. Yeah, most certainly. Uh, we always welcome a, 
interesting uh, topics and uh, MLS has quite the following and you know is, is a growing ever growing league I, I think and yeah I, I would agree it's not quite to the league MX uh, level just yet but it, it will get there you know mm. it, it's it's got plenty of potential hasn't it and plenty of interest um May I just say, Manu, um, if if you were to predict who's who's going to win the MLS Cup, uh, have you got someone in mind? Do, do you think it's going to be Toronto? I mean, it looks like. Uh, well, I suppose if you look past their their last five games and look at their final three games, you know. But even though things are probably well wrapped up at that stage, you know, they're unbeaten in their last three. So you know that, and they obviously skip around, as you said, you know. So so things would look fairly positive for them, I, I would say, but. If not them, then who else would you maybe call to um, to go all the way? Well, I think it's definitely going to be a team from the East because they have the better teams. They have the better run teams. And the um, last year, Seattle won it, of course, Western Conference team. Western Conference teams have the the big problem for them is the travel. Um, the distances out West are a lot longer and you have to fly long distances. Um, you know, we sp- spoke to Stefan Eigner who plays for uh, Colorado um, and we have that feature up on footballstadt.com and um, we had an interview with him following the game. He said like, yeah, the travel is definitely something that's very tough and that's especially tough for Western Conference teams. The Eastern Conference, the teams are New York, Toronto, um, Chicago, um, all these places, they're a little bit tighter together. You know, you don't, you fly maybe an hour, an hour and a half, uh, two hours at most, right, to, to visit those cities. Um, whereas in the West, you know, it's, it's quite normal to have a four and a half hour flight, sometimes even longer just to get to your next opponent. So that makes a big difference and it means that there's more of a home and away advantage. Um, it also means that by the time you get to the MLS Cup final, you have a lot of miles under your belly. You know, you, you've traveled a lot and that takes out a lot of you. Seattle, um, last year only won the final because they basically parked an Airbus in front of the net and, um, shut down Toronto. We were massive favorites last year. So that can always happen. But I think, I reckon the, the, the winner will come out of the East. And I will actually say that it's going to be either Toronto or actually Atlanta. And the, the reason I'm saying that is because Toronto has the deepest squad. They have Jovinko, who's probably the best player who ever played in this league. Um, someone who could be a candidate actually to play for Italy. He's a fantastic player. And then Atlanta, of course, because of Tata Martino, the things that they have built, they have massive home support, which um, is something that you have to keep in mind. And Atlanta has done something interesting. They have as the first team uh, in this league embraced the fact that you that they don't need to sign um, old age players from Europe. Um, actually, their, their key players, Miguel Almiron, who's a 22-year-old from Paraguay, He's their designated player, their marquee player. Um, they focus heavily on young South American players where they can develop and sell on. That's their, their model. It's very different from the um, other model of the, a lot of the other MLS teams that you see and gives them the label of a retirement league, right? So um, part of me wants to see Atlanta succeed because it would op- it would kind of... Um, open the eyes to a lot of other MLS owners that they should invest into youth rather than, you know, targeting old players from, from Europe. And uh, I think it would, it would just show that there's a different way of building a franchise. And, uh, so a- Atlanta is definitely up there with me from the West. Uh, I think really, um, only the Seattle Sounders would have a chance, um, to, to challenge any of the big boys from the East. 
Um, my Vancouver Whitecaps, I, I would have said if they would have finished first, that a lot of things would have looked different, but they're a bit too flaky, uh, in decided, in decision games. You know, the, the game that they lost now in Portland, all they needed was a draw, but, um, they can't get, uh, results over the line. Actually, they could have already wrapped it up, um, last week with a win over, over San Jose, you know, so they had two match balls and they wasted them both. And a team like that doesn't win titles. So I don't see them among the favorites. Well, ju- just looking at the uh, tables here, just a, a few interesting things uh, uh, I can pick up on. I mean, you've got Houston Dynamos um, haven't lost in five, but also never have Columbus Crew. I mean, mm-hmm. we talk uh, uh, in Liga MX um, that, you know, obviously teams hitting a bit of form going into the Liga, into the playoffs, you know, it, it can make a big difference. Do you see that being um, you know, a big thing for those two sides? And one final thing that I've noticed is, I mean, everyone knows who LA Galaxy are, and sitting down eleventh in the Western Conference. What exactly happened there? Yeah, there was a lot of players that left LA, and um, the coaching appointment. I, I saw them actually in in March um, when they came to Vancouver, and you know, I went to the press conference with the head coach and. Um, I don't think they knew what they were doing tactically. And so they're, they're a bit of a rebuild now. I'm pretty sure they will sign a few marquee players. LA Galaxy have always been the team with the biggest designated players. You know, David Beckham, of course, Steven Gerrard, these kind of guys. Um, so I'm pretty sure they will bring in a few players like that and rebuild, but it can happen. You know, it's a very competitive league. The teams, because of the salary cap, are very, very evenly matched. So it can happen very quickly. Um, as for Columbus, I think, you know, any team that had a run to get to the playoffs, who had to fight and show a little bit of fighting spirits to get there and to get it across the line is, in my opinion, always a team to, to be reckoned with. Um, the thing with Columbus is though there is relocation talk. Um, the owner, um, we have an article up on that actually on football Sidage. So if you want to read more on that, check that out. But the owners, um, have sort of under the table, um, working with Austin to move the team or the franchise to Austin and um, the fans have now found out about it and there's a lot of distraught and a lot of unhappiness about that. They're a founding member of MLS and uh, MLS still uh, operates under the assumption that, you know, the league could, that you can build soccer the same way you can build ice hockey, basketball, American football and all the other sports and um, doesn't really quite understand that there's a different fan culture at work with the sport. So they, um, they have reached a little bit of an obstacle with moving this team because there's so much fan upheaval, not just in Columbus, but all across the league. But, um, that upheaval doesn't really, uh, it could go either way, right? It could go set up, set open positive energy, but it could also really hamper their playoff run. So I'm, I think that Atlanta is just too good and, uh, will probably, um, beat them in that knockout rate round. Very interesting stuff indeed, and I I think uh, you've done very well, especially as a one man um, analysis uh, or you know on MLS. I I think you've done a good job, man. You should start your own uh, MLS pod, really, shouldn't you? Well, we, oh, have, that's right. we have that You're in gonna... the works. We are, yeah, we have that in the works. <laughs> we just need the people and really the manpower, you know. Um, Bryce, the, and this is, this is a bit off topic, but I'm on the, the three football grad network podcasts already. And, um, time is unfortunately limited. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. But um, right, let let's get <laughs> down to uh, well, Mexican business, I suppose. We've, we've, we'll probably have uh, plenty of people tuning in to hear us talk about uh, Mexican football, and uh, we haven't done any of that so far. So let's just jump in. It was another exciting weekend of uh, Mexican football, as it always is. Um, yeah, a few surprises, uh, I suppose, uh, in in the results, which we'll get through. But uh, Manu, you you wanted <laughs> you wanted us to uh, do a little bit of a uh, well, a little bit of a I don't know a touch up on uh, Raval Morrison and what what exactly uh, he has been getting up to and how is it going for him. And so you know, we have to say things are looking a little bit positive for him at the moment. He, he started uh, the game at the weekend for Atlas. Um, Looked fairly lively as as well, and Atlas came up, came away with a one 0 win over uh, Cholos. Cholos definitely had opportunities uh, to uh, well to go ahead, um, you know, with the lead, but uh, failed to do so, and then it came down to a penalty. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it looked pretty good for him. I think he came off in the seventy seventh minute, if I remember off the top of my head. But yeah, he, he looked okay. Uh, his passing ratio uh, was um, or percentage was eighty two percent, and he was played more or less uh, as a as a striker in the game, uh, two mm-hmm. up top. And yeah, I, I think uh, you, we've, we've always said that you know, if he can get his head down, if he can concentrate just on his football, he's he's a very good footballer. He's a very talented guy. Unfortunately, just up to this stage, um, he's, he's just been too much of a, well, I don't know, a bit of a party animal and a bit of a troublemaker. And um, football just seemed to be the last thing on his, on his mind too often. Um, and he's had plenty of opportunities at good clubs to uh, to prove himself and just hasn't. Um, I, I think uh, Atlas could do with this, but um, Liga MX um, wouldn't be, um, you know, wouldn't uh, turn down you know, having a, a young still fairly young um, English star in there due to attract more viewing figures and more interest around the world. But also Ravel Morrison could do with this, couldn't he, Manu? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is pretty much his last chance, right? Um, because if it doesn't work out there, it will, I don't know where else he could go. There's not too many places left. Where does Bentner play these days? Rosenborg, Bo- Rosenborg, right? In Norway. So yeah. maybe that's, um, that's the kind of place he would end up, um, Actually, could you imagine those two at the same team? Oh my goodness. Good lord. But that said, in all fairness, Ruffle Morrison had a very good game on Friday. Um, he, you know, he did, yeah. And, and he was, he was among the highest rated players on the field. He put in an, a very good work rate. Um, and that is, I think, something that was lacking, um, early in his career. And then that free kick, um, underside of the bar, you know, almost made it 1-0. Um, so, that's a 30 yards off, um, free kick as well. It was a long distance off and, uh, you know, scoring, shooting from there and, uh, almost hitting the target and almost scoring. Wow. Uh, it shows that the, the, the kid has some talent. And I think, I think that's really what it comes down to for him is the putting in the work rate, um, getting adapted to the league, getting adapted to the language. I mean, there's a lot, it's a lot different. And, um, you know, he spoke to ESPN's Tom Marshall, and um, I think one of the things that he pointed out was the altitude. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to play in Liga MX, especially when you play in in places like Mexico City. You know, we were asked, um, I think it was Tim who asked us, right, what it is like to play in altitude, and it's basically like someone holding um, a hand on your chest. 
when you first get used to it. So, you know, all of these things are, are big things to get used to. It's a big adaptation. And, um, I mean, he came in at a time too for Atlas Bryce when the site was really, um, struggling with a whole bunch of issues. Yeah, most certainly. Um, and you know, at one stage at the start of the season, you know, with, uh, I mean, we've discussed the Rafa Marquez thing over and over. Mm. Um, but they looked very strong, uh, at the start of the season. And Rafa Marquez was one of their main men, wasn't he? He was, well, we, we described him as looking at, as a 20 year old, never mind a guy pushing 40, right? Uh, he, he was getting about a lot and, you know, he, he was really making a difference in the midfield. Yes, there's other uh, talented players in that side, but he was, he was really making a difference. Uh, and then when all of this kind of, uh, came to head, um, and he got dropped and they, they couldn't see uh, whether they could possibly play him and, there's a lot up in the air with all that still uh, a bit, uh, even though he's back in training as far as I'm aware. But they, they finally seem to have turned things around. And I suppose when Ravel Morrison was uh, signed by them, we thought, do they really need this as well? Mm-hmm. But um, they, they, they have. They, they've pulled around, haven't they, a, a bit? And they're, they're, once again, you know, they're, they're back in uh, contention for uh, for like, you know, spots. Um, they, they've moved up to ninth. They're just behind uh, Cruz Azul and the Cax at the moment, uh, two points behind them. But you know, anything can happen in the final few games. Um, I wouldn't bet against them. We we talked, didn't we, uh, about uh, going into uh, the Ligia with form, but also finishing off uh, the season strong in MLS or uh, Liga MX can can work wonders if they win the next few games. They get into the Ligia, maybe they'll they'll have a good run in the in the playoffs. Yeah, I think, you know, there's how things have changed. Um, it looked so dire for them just a few weeks ago. It's funny. Yeah, didn't how, it? It's funny it, how it's, footballers, uh, yeah, it did look really the, bad. The, the, this seems to happen all too often, doesn't it, Joe? That uh, things just uh, turn around so quickly, especially in Liga MX, the way the, the table's kind of set out. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to rule anyone out of, um, out of things until it's ma- mathematically impossible. That's the beauty of having a league with parity. Um, I think that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? You don't know because there's so many teams on even footing and, um, they have that game in hand, which is of course against Tigris, but I wouldn't bet against them in the current form to, to get a result there. And that would put them potentially either on e- just a point behind, um, Cruz Azul and Nicaxa, or okay. if they win it ahead into that playoff spot, right? And so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's really cool how, how in this league you can just like get the results and get crawl back into the playoff race. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were, they were dead and buried almost at one stage. They, they failed to pick up in, uh, well, in the league, they had uh, went five games without a win, four of them being losses. And then all of a sudden you look at the last five games now. They've won four of them and only lost one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just it, it it's hard to believe your know, team can be a as bipolar. I suppose would be a way to put it. But there's a few like that. I mean, we've spoken about a few teams that are a bit bit like that. But I guess yeah, Atlas are the, are the best example. I mean, you look at their record right now: uh, one six drawn, one lost six. Well, <laughs> bipolar is maybe. The best way of putting it, you definitely only get one or the other, don't you? Yeah, most certainly. Um, it'll be a 
interesting to see how the uh, next uh, well, in the next few weeks kind of pan out for them. I mean, let's let's even look at who they've got coming up next. They've got Kerataro and. I would say they'll be quite happy to to play them. If if we're being honest, Kerataro dropped down to the bottom of the table once again, and yeah, I, th- I think a win in there is really gonna really gonna stand you know strong for them going you know into the final few games uh, ahead of the games. Yeah, unbelievable, really. Especially when <laughs> um, you especially when you look who else who the other sides are playing. You look at Cruz Azul, for example, are playing Tigres, and um, you know. When the attacks are, are playing Lobos and you just don't know what's going to happen there either. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think this is, this is really interesting you know, how Atlas have kind of seemed to be turning it around. And we, we, we're speaking about playoffs a lot today, aren't we? But I mean, we are getting into that playoff decisive territory. Um, for yeah. most of the sides, it's three games left until Liguela. And, um, it, this is, this is the time when you want to get hot. You know, to, to carry that momentum into, into the playoffs. This is the time when you want to do it. And so for Atlas, if I think if they would now go get on form and get into the playoffs, they could be one of those sides that you could be really on form. And Cruz Azul have been a little bit on and off, um, lately. And I guess we could, we can switch to that topic next, right, Bryce? Because I did see the game against Lobos and, oof. Yeah, three nil, wasn't it? And I remember you and Ollie uh, messaging. I, I unfortunately didn't get to uh, watch this game. Um, I've only kind yeah, of seen bits and parts of it. But <laughs> yeah, Ollie was even saying to you that yeah, that Cruzul were all over the place. That they they looked really bad, which which is such a shock because um, they were they were a well oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Um, just just a few weeks ago, and uh, we said that you want know, them going into the Ligia, um they're they're going to be a hard team to break down. The, you know, defensively they were strong, they were getting goals without hammering teams. You know they were just getting goals and kind of picking teams. They were either drawing or or winning it seemed. But yeah, they they've they've had more um more poor form than than better form the last few weeks, and it would be a real shame for them after having such a great start if then they just couldn't see it through and, and get into the Ligia. But there's just a few teams nipping at their heels that you just start to fancy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know what it was. You know that 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 entire game was odd. Um, it was it was like it was like watching two deflated teams and one of the deflated teams um, beating the other deflated team because Lobos weren't weren't good either. Um, I thought both sides were very poor. To be quite frank, I, I thought this was the worst game I've seen, despite the three goals and it's it's such an such an odd game to describe because Cruz Azul had the majority of the possession although we're quickly learning that means nothing um, but Lobos had 11 shots inside the box price and that's that's a recipe for getting you know destroyed yeah, in a game like that trouble. yeah you're asking for trouble which um, really points to a whole bunch of issues, um, with, with Cruz Azul at the moment, which is, you know, mostly of the defensive nature. And, um, I mean, Lobos are not, not the, the best side in this league. I mean, we, we've talked in great lengths about how fortunate they were to go up to Liga MX in the first place. And, 
um, how they have received so much criticism and um, even put in doubt that their very existence in Liga MX has put in doubt the entire promotion relegation system in that league. And uh, yet at the same time, you know, they, they're getting, getting results like this, but it's, it's, it's such an odd one. And I, I feel um, this is one that Cruz Azul going towards the playoffs. This is one where Cruz Azul will say, well, maybe this is where we slipped up. Um, this is maybe this is where we lost the plot and gave away that playoff spot. Yeah, I, 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 it's hard to know what Cruz is all, isn't it? I mean, as we said, you know, they were so good and now they've had a few slips. I mean, their next game is going to be a massive for them. And I, do, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Lobos, I mean, I'll just before we move on to talk about Cruz a little bit further, I suppose, but Lobos. Lobos have been a very bipolar side as well, you know. They've, they've really taken into sides and been quite refreshing in that way. And they started the season off uh, as a team that, well, an underdog that everyone was rooting for, and they were standing up for themselves when it came to the uh, mm-hmm. to, to 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 the TV rights, the TV deals. But then after a while, it all just seemed to fall apart, didn't it? It seemed to get a bit ridiculous, and as times went on they've they've almost done themselves harm and nobody really thinks that they're that well run and i i i think it would be a big ask for them to get to again i think that might be a step too far for them they're only four points outside it but i i just don't see that happening if i'm being honest but um cruises all they, they they've slipped up at the wrong time but they are playing tigres next um <laughs> What way do you see that going, Manu? That that's going to be an interesting one. I mean, there's many of it in interesting games, like, still to be had, especially coming up this week. Yeah, I thought Tigres were very impressive um, this weekend against Toluca, and Toluca is a side that I, you know, that I like. Um, one of those underrated mm-hmm. teams um, that that is sort of a little bit, <sighs> you know, they fly underneath the radar, but yet get the job done. And um, whenever I see their stadium, that really beautiful stadium with the red seats and everything is completely in red. Um, I just think of them like this is this is a side that does things well. Um, but you know, Tigers went, Tigers hosted them and absolutely demolished them um, on Saturday, and that's impressive. It's very impressive. So um, if Tigers play like that, and you know, um, Tigers is one of those sides that get hot at the right time. So right about now um, is the time when they when they get the job done, um, and that's. I, I would say that if Tigers play the way they did play on Saturday, that's bad news. Um, really bad news for Cruz Azul. Yeah, um, I, it, it would be, a, I think it'd be a little bit of a uh, surprise to see them beat uh, Tigres. Um, as we always say that, you know, they managed to bring in the last moment. I was going to say, and I was thinking uh, this weekend before, before this match day, um, to say to you, Manu, what's happened to Gnac? We haven't really seen him. At his best, it seems, this season. You know, if, I, I suppose he scored at the weekend, yet, yeah, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's played 13 games, started 12 of them. Um, he's got enough minutes under his belt. He's only scored four goals. I mean, he is very much, I've always said that he scores, um, like, well, I suppose some people use the expression ketchup, don't they? You're tapping the bottle and then nothing mm-hmm. comes out. And then it all comes out at once. And he's been like that in the last few years. But but this year, even even lesser so than ever. I mean, do you think there's too many um, 
too many cooks are spoiling the broth there in the uh, the attacking lineup for uh, for Tigres. You know, all of a sudden he's got Vargas um, running around him. He's got Ener Valencia running around him. Loads of uh, attacking talent on that side, and it's just cramping his style a little bit. That's a good question, and I think that's uh, that was actually what I was going to say too. But I actually wonder because he's getting a little bit older and. Um, Players tend to reinvent themselves a little bit, right, as they get older. And um, someone who comes to mind is Miroslav Klose, the the German striker, who who started dropping back a little bit further and uh, almost became a bit of a playmaker. And Gignac is an extremely talented player. Um, I had the great privilege to see him with Tigres playing up in Vancouver um, in that uh, CONCACAF semifinal, Champions League semifinal. And... Um, he it wasn't one of his best games, but he had the moment or two where he just turned it on and had that click of genius and was just it was so apparent that he was way and above beyond um anyone else on the pitch in terms of talent. And I almost wonder if they're just utilizing him a little bit differently. Um he plays in that four three three and Anna Valencia who you know, many would identify as a natural winger. Someone would, would play as um, an inside forward in a four-three-three, either on the left or on the right. Right? Um, he's actually playing in the middle, and Gignac is playing um, on either side. Mm-hmm. But which, which basically um, translates into him being um, either on that wing, but also dropping back a little bit. And from there, it, it allows him to um, control the game and. Um, that in itself means he's going to score less goals. That's something that you saw with Miroslav Klose um, towards the end of his career. And, and actually in his last two seasons with Bayern, his goal scoring dropped significantly, yet he was still a key player of the squad because he would, you know, he would be of service to the other strikers around him. So you see that a little bit with him. Um, he's also the kind of player who, who just draws attention of a defensive line. You know, you basically, everyone in Liga MX knows that they have Gignac. And um, so, you know, you, they, they need someone or one or two guys who stand on his toes at all times. So that creates room. And that's important as well. And then there's the the one big factor that I think uh, needs to be pointed out that he he is a bit of a playoff player. Um, he knows that he is the most talented player in this league. He knows that he's the biggest star of this league and he's very protected in this league. Um, this is something that I learned when I was down there. You know, he's very referred to, but he's also get gets the protection of the league and league officials. And I think um, he he knows that, so he knows he doesn't really need to turn it on until the Liguela. Um, he understands that Liga MX has two seasons: the regular season and the playoffs. So he 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 really turns on his game in the playoffs, and we've seen that basically ever since he's been playing for Tigers. That that's you know, when he is at his best. And I, I, I can assure you that once, mm-hmm. once they are in the playoffs, um, he will be the pack, the ketchup bottle is going to come out and it's going to be a massive bloop, um, on your plate. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think we've summed it up well in, in that way. And he, um, I, I think, you know, he's a, he's a man that, you know, if you leave him space and time, uh, I think he's having, having a poor season. He'll punish you. So, um, yeah, I think other teams are not going to let him any space uh, for the rest of the tournament, are they? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, let's let's talk about uh, America uh, and uh, and the Caxa a little bit. I think um, 
America have plenty of chances to win this game. And we've talked about how how good a season they have had. You know, after that transitional uh, period that we all said that they probably have this year, but under Herrera they've looked very strong. They've definitely had the squad enough to to do well enough. We just didn't know whether you know him uh, getting a getting things sorted and having them play the way he wanted to would happen quick enough. But they've looked pretty good. But again, after plenty of chances in this game. Nakaxa won with a, a bit of a diving header into an, an open net. Um, what way does this leave uh, America going into the the next game against uh, Monterey? I mean, if I'm being honest, Monterey only beats Pumas 1-0, and this was after their defeat last weekend. I thought they would have come out and absolutely hammered them uh, to try and prove a point that you know, there's no slip-up here. We're still the, the team to beat. Both teams maybe slightly coming off uh, form Um ever so slightly, um, just towards the end uh, of the campaign. How do you think that game is going to go? Yeah, that game is all for pretty much a result on the weekend means that uh, Club America have to win that, right? Because um, Monterey are now four points ahead in the standings and they have a game in hand. And the goal differential is 14 to 6 uh, in favor for Monterey as well. Which at that stage is almost next to point, isn't it? Um, so America have to win this game. And even then it might not be enough to get that first place. And I, you know, this is, this is a massive game, Bryce. Well, we'll definitely have the preview for that. I'll tell you that, but it's, um, it's extremely difficult to say which way it's going to go. I, I think that Monterey being the home side, that's a massive advantage. We spoke, spoken about home and away advantages a bit, um, on podcasts in the past and, and outside of in Europe, you know, that's, that's kind of faded a little bit because the, a lot of the stadiums are the same these days. Um, it's a, there's a very corporate feeling around a lot of facilities, um, anywhere on the continent, really. Uh, travel is, is not a huge issue. Um, the teams are so rich now that, they can basically fly by their own flights. So, um, it's, there, there isn't that much of a home and away advantage in Europe, but in, in North America or in the Americas in general, you still very much have that. Um, and it starts with all sorts of different things. For example, um, Club America, if they had played this game at home, and I guess I mentioned altitude again, right? Altitude is a big factor. You know, anyone who was, who's done any kind of competitive sport knows that, if you above 2000 meters gets difficult, um, Mexico City is at a 2400 meters. I've been to Mexico City and, uh, trust me, it takes a little bit of adjustment. So, um, Club America has an, a massive home advantage every game that they play, unless it's one of the other sites that are in that altitude region. And there's a few. Um, but this game is in Monterey, so that advantage is gone. And Monterey, they have one of these facilities. It's a beautiful stadium. It's maybe the most beautiful stadium on this continent. Um, there's, they went an Instagram photo, took the rounds of, you know, a few months ago, and I bet anyone has seen it. It's a gorgeous facility, and they have an absolute home advantage in this facility. And um, I would say that they, Monterey, are going to win this game. And winning that game will mean that, you know, they have assured first place in the standings. Um, and 
whether or not that will make a difference, it definitely will in the first round because, you know, they will face one of those, those little teams. Um, later on, of course, that won't matter very much, but I think in the first round that will definitely help them. Wow. So you're calling a Monterey win. Yeah, I, I am actually, you know, I just, it's, I just think that they have been so consistent and Club America has been, they're kind of like the head coach, Miguel Herrera. They're a little bit like a volcano. Um, there's a lot of smoke and fire and, um, when they are when, very explosive, but, um, you know, there's always a red card in that side. Uh, they don't have, they don't <laughs> have that, they don't have that, um, they don't play like a machine. You know, they don't, um, they don't get that, uh, consistency. And Mohammed has his teams playing with such a consistency. Um, and we've talked about that so many times, even that, it wasn't an impressive result, but they got the result. If only Monterey only have lost one game, you know, it's hard to look beyond them getting the result that they need in this game. Yeah. It's, it's all getting very interesting, isn't it? I yeah. mean, uh, I suppose before, you know, we, we kind of wrap things up in that, I mean, we still need to slightly talk about uh, the Copa MX, even though all the only impression I ever get is that the Mexicans, are so unimpressed with this competition. Something, as you said, as you and I have said many a times, they need to, they need to make, um, I don't know, a, a more of a reward, I think, uh, at the end of the competition. But before we get into that, um, uh, Manu, who, who do you see uh, getting to Ligia? If, if we look at the likes of Cholos, Atlas, Cruz Azul, Nakaxa, it's very close amongst them. I mean, I reckon Toluca, Leon, and Morelia probably. I, th- I think they're just about going to see it through. But those other sides, I mean, it's tough. I mean, there, there's only three points between the four teams. Yeah. Uh, who, who would you maybe like to get through, and um, who do you think will get through? Oh. Price. <laughs> That's uh, I, I like all the sides. You know, you know, I have a soft spot for for Pumas, and so we don't really want to talk about that. But um, I don't really have a Liga MX team. I have teams that I prefer over others, and um, one one of them is Nicaxa because it's such a historic side, and I, I love the the foundation of the team, the history of the team. Um, one of these days when I have a bit of more free time, I'm going to have a long feature running on, on one of our pages for sure on it. Um, because it's just such a fascinating story. So I would like to see them, uh, in the playoffs. That doesn't mean that they are one of the teams that's going to make it, right? Uh, I think that nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. But you know, <laughs> I've seen when you look at the, the form guide, I've seen Pachuca racing up the stands. Um, they have the depth, they have the facilities, they have the history, they have the strength. Keep in mind that the, the reigning continental champion as well. Um, they are a very strong side, a team that's, um, underperformed for most of this, this, um, apertura, but is slowly getting a foothold and, um, only four points out of the playoffs in three games. That's still possible, you know. Um, Tijuana is one of those other sides. I think Tijuana are so deep up front. That, um, they can outscore anyone. And, um, once the going gets tough, I think that they, they're going to get the results. Atlas, um, I think they have overcome that shock with Rafa Marquez. Um, and I think one, if they are in the playoffs, they are one of those lower uh, seeded teams that could really cause some problems for the, um, higher ranked teams. Um, 
I wouldn't discount Cruz Azul yet either. I've spoken the, the Lobos result aside. I think that they are a team that are just so perfectly set up for playoff football. Um, simply because the way, how I'm going to put this, the way they, they run, um, by Martin is that they, they just, they get the job done, right? They just, like a machine. Um, they, 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 they're so good at getting results. And, um, I think that is something that you really need in the Liguella. So. Well, I, I also feel that if we look at the, you know, obviously, like, yeah, you know, we've already, oh, we said that they, we reckon that they would do fairly well in it. Mm. But if it comes down to the final day as well, they're at home to Veracruz. Yeah. And I, I could see them easily brushing Veracruz aside at home. And you know, it, so, so that, that could be a, a big factor. And it will come down to the last day. It always does, doesn't it? I mean, oh man, decision day is going to be so much fun, Bryce. I can't wait to have a big preview <laughs> on that. But, um, we remember decision day in the spring and the madness. Oh. So, you know, I think, I think this is, this is what I want. I want this table to, to kind of stay like this a little bit, you know, for the next two match days. Um, and then have a final day where we can look at the table and say, we have no clue what's going to happen. That, well, that, it, that is that it, is my that's what I want right now. Um, if if that was the case, though, looking at the fixtures, we would have Cruz Azul at home to Veracruz, and you would say Cruz Azul probably win that. Atlas at home to Pachuca, you would say probably Atlas would win that one. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is all pointless in me predicting this, but then Toluca versus uh, Tijuana. That could be an interesting game. That's not an easy game. But again, you don't know whether, well, Toluca will practically be in, won't they? So, or I don't know. <laughs> and then, then, <laughs> then the Caxa versus uh, Morelia as well. So Morelia could be qualified. Or if they've lost the last, or the two games prior to that, they're going to be in the thick of it as well. So there's a lot of presumptions we can make. But, you know, it's, it, it's all worthless, you know, probably after, you know, in a week's time, we'll turn around and go, well, that, that's all changed. But, um, I, I must say, if, if it was down to me, I mean, I want to see Nakaxa get in as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think they've had, um, a rough time over the last few years. The, I've mentioned it before, uh, probably the first time I've ever seen, you know, a Mexican club side play was when they played Manchester United in the World Club Cup. And I, can never remember his name. Uh, um, it was a bleach blonde hair fellow with um, a lightning bolt in the back of his, his hair. As far as I know, took a free kick, scored that, and uh, beat United with it. Um, so that I, I always have a little bit of a soft spot for them, even though I'm the same as you, man. I don't particularly support a side. Cruises all, all year, I've been saying, they're going to do it. They're going to get through. It, it's Things are going to be different. But then at the same time, it would be great to see Ravel Morrison and Atlas uh, go a bit further just for a little bit of a story there and for them to get a bit of a break. Um, Cholos, I suppose they'd be the one side of the four that I'd maybe say I'd have to ask them to buy out and it to be between the other three. But I, I think it doesn't really matter as long as we get that entertaining final day. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, that's, that's exactly it. I'm actually just looking it up and, uh, um, that was, um, Montesino who scored the goal 
against uh, Manchester United, Bryce. So there you go. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that, if I'm honest. <laughs> but, um, yeah, quite a fitting haircut. I mean, at the time, I just thought, wow, look at that for a standout yeah. um, style. But uh, it, it goes along with the uh, the club, doesn't it? I mean, they're known as the electricians, aren't they, or the lightning bolts? Well, I found it by an Englishman, too. I know that people love that. Um so, Quite a few of the clubs were yeah, actually, weren't they? Well, hmm. it's the the whole history of the the game, but they, they are a fascinating club. And I actually play football with someone who supports them, so you know, uh, I know Gus is going to be in a better mood. Um, give, assist me better on goals if he plays uh, with his team makes the playoffs. <laughs> so go on, Ikatsa. Uh I need those assists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plus I, I think it's a good thing for the league when we've seen the teams that, I mean, many people probably would have said uh, Nakaxa were going to be uh, fighting at the other end of the table, but um, they, they made a few wise transfers, didn't they, in the summer, and we said that they did have the potential to have a better year, and it's good to see that that, that they actually have them, and it would be good to see them in Ligia. Will they get far in Ligia? I think it's going to be very difficult for them. But, um, yeah, I think it'd be a good thing for the club and the league, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, I th- thank you for doing the research into that player. I never would have gotten that until, obviously, I Googled it as well. <laughs> yeah, but how do you know I use Google? <laughs> I know. You just plucked it out of the air, did you? Um, Library. Uh, we, we, yeah, it went to a book, whatever that is. Uh, but Copa MX, um, midweek, uh Go on, Manu. What have you got to say about it? You know, I think Copa MX does not get the... Uh, it, it deserves more than uh, the little side mentions that it gets. Because, and here's my reasoning for that. I actually do watch uh, the Asensio from time to time. Uh, the second division in uh, Mexican football. And people may be saying, that's crazy. That's even more hipster and watching Liga MX. And the reason for that is actually because there's actually some good football to be played down there. I know it gets it gets um a lot of negative press and a, a lot of the guys that we've talked to on the show um don't really like it. And I mean the Copa MX is so weird because of the following uh, the Apertura Clausura stage. So they're playing it out twice. They're playing an entire cup competition basically twice in one year. Which is something that maybe could be reformed. I'm a big fan of splitting the season into two. Um, we've discussed this before, but I think maybe the cup should run over the entire season. Um, in the past, there was a big reward for winning the Cobra MX, right? Um, it was the, a, a spot in the, um, Cobra Libertadores, which of course the, um, Liga MX does not take part in, um, currently. They suspended it. Hopefully they will get back into it because, um, I love the Cobra Libertadores. I think it's a great competition, the South American championship, but for now they're not in it. So basically you don't get anything other than a trophy, which is cool. Trophies are nice. Um, they're fun. Um, but it means that the teams don't take it that serious. That said, Bryce Chivas basically won the Liguela on the backs of two Cobra MX titles. They used that experience from the Cobra MX, the playoff experience to basically build towards winning a league title. Yeah, and that's it. And Chivas were the first side to do that since Cruz Azul in 97, weren't they? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, credit to them for winning both. And I think a lot of people forget that yeah. they even won the Copa MX. But, uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling that, um, they, they need to change it a little bit just so that people do take a bit more interest because mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, the teams massively rotate their, their squads yeah. and, you know, 
their first 11s are nowhere near the, the team that actually turn up. But um, if we look at this week, there, there's quite a few uh, fairly big games uh, going on. Is there any that you would like to highlight? Yeah, um, if you are interested outside of Liga MX, one of the sides, and this is actually a really historic side, Atlante is facing Toluca. And I mean, I've praised Toluca on many occasions. Um, Atlante is a very interesting team, um, the people's team. And a lot of people in Mexico actually support Atlante, despite the fact that they're in the second division. Um, this team has been moved around quite a bit. I know they like doing that in Mexican football, despite promotion and relegation. And uh, they play in Cancun these days, which is, of course, known for being a resort town for Americans um, trying to, you know, overcome their Puritan lifestyle back home. But that's a different story altogether. But yeah, they're playing Cancun. And um, I think this is going to be a fascinating game because Atlanta has been trying for so long to get back into Liga MX. And this is basically their only times to get that taste of first division football. So I would look out for that. Um, they are one of those Asensio teams that could potentially hurt, um, one of the League MX teams. So I could, I could see an upset there. The other one is, uh, Pachuca against Sakatabek. Um, Sakatabek is, of course, one of the other big Asensio teams. Really fascinating side as well. So look out for that. And, um, of course, Chivas against Atlas, um, the Derby. You know, I think both sides will take that very serious, despite the fact that this is a Cobra Max game. So um, I think that is one to tune into. Yeah, very interesting indeed. Uh, Manny, before we wrap it up, um, obviously, um, hopefully some of you guys will have been swayed to tune in and check out the uh, Copa MX. Uh, but what games Liga MX coming up this week uh, do you feel we need to highlight? Uh, one of them, obviously... Uh, drew your attention and um, you said that we needed to do a bit of a, a preview for it uh, but what, what other games um, can you possibly highlight we've got Monterey versus Club America uh, but do you feel we need to mention Lanzarote Chivas versus Cholos that's going to be a, a very good game I, th- I think Toluca versus Morelia could also be a very good one yeah um, that is actually a good one that you mentioned because Morelia silently, quietly, the relegation candidate from last season, they're fourth in the standing. They've done brilliant this year. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. They have, you know, off, off the backs of almost being relegated to being one of the top teams in the league. That is remarkable. So um, that is definitely one to highlight. I think the we mentioned uh, the, the Monterey Club America game. I think that's a hard one to ignore. I think for our UK-based listeners, uh, Cruz Azul against Tigres. That's that's a very nice kickoff time for you guys. Eleven o'clock on a Saturday. You know that's usually when the bars close in in London. So what else would you be doing, anyways? So that's one to tune into. Um, so I think that is really the the highlights. Um, Chivas against Tijuana. I think that could be a good one too, because Chivas have to kind of um, you know they won't make the playoffs, but they kind of have to at least get themselves uh, finish up this this part of the season on a positive. Yeah, they they really do, don't they? And as I said, I think if uh, if things were to finish just as badly as they went for most of the rest of the season for them, and then it started off poorly uh, in the Clausera, it would be uh, very tough for them to 
keep Almeida on, I would feel, because mm. something would have to change there. Um, them going out two campaigns as poorly as this one, you know, only in the future sets you up for a relegation battle, which um, would be unheard of for, for Chivas, and they just couldn't allow that to happen. But, but Manu, t- talking about uh, the other games to highlight as well, Toluca, Morelia, that's 6 p.m. on Sunday, if people are interested. If you don't want to watch uh, a bit of Sarri, yeah, they're normally on about that time, aren't they? Uh, the Bundesliga games will have uh, ended by then or, or coming close to it. To being uh, wrapped up, you know that that would definitely be an interesting game to watch. And if uh, if the results went their way, if Cruz Azul uh, managed to win, and say Monterrey were to to beat uh, Club America, you could see them just crawling up to second. Yep, which is ridiculous. But I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> it would be a long shot, a long shot. But you never know. No, you don't know. I think we need to wrap it up there. Yeah. We've covered MLS. Yes, MLS. Um, we've covered Copa MX, and I think we've covered quite a lot in uh, Liga MX. Always a Ravel Morrison uh, update as well, which is uh, very interesting for the UK followers. But, uh, Manu, what have you got going on this week that you'd like to draw people's attention to? Um, yeah, oh, DFB Pokal. We have the... So there's German football, of course. We have the... The big preview up, uh, Leipzig, uh, Bayern, um, double header because they're playing in the, the DFB Pokal, um, on Wednesday and then they're playing each other again on Saturday. So those previews will be up on foosballstadt.com. And, um, other than that, I mean, this is a bit of a quieter week. Uh, Champions League is not till next week. The Cuba Max, we're going to do some coverage of that. MLS previews uh, for playoffs, but yeah, it's a bit of a quieter week, which is kind of nice, you know, trying to catch up with a whole bunch of other stuff, so not too much going on. Yeah, for a change. But um, yeah, we'll try and get um, a preview or two up for uh, Liga MX, I think, ahead of the weekend. We'll see what we can do between the two of us. Uh, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can uh, follow me on Twitter, if you'd like, at BryceDunn11. Otherwise, get um, get behind the uh, Football Grad Network uh, on Twitter. You'll get all the articles and updates on there. That's at Football Grad Live. Also, guys, um, really appreciate you tuning in. Um, hopefully, in the future, as Manu said, we'll have an MLS pod going for you MLS fans out there. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, we'd really appreciate um, a review or some kind words uh, on iTunes just to kind of boost our following. And yeah, we we just appreciate to to hear from you all, by the way. Uh, But apart from that, uh, enjoy the Copa MX games and the Liga MX games at the weekend. And we'll be back very soon with uh, more of an update. Thank you and bye. Sponsor is brought to you by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish by Nature Made is a personalized vitamin regimen that removes the guesswork of selecting supplements that are specific to you. Backed by 45 years of science, delivered right to your doorstep, and costing on average less than $2 a day. Nourish is your one stop shop for customizable supplements. Visit nourish.com to get started today.
Now more than ever, it's important to keep your family's garments free from bacteria. Fortunately, the Turbo Extreme Steam handheld steamer kills 99.9% of bacteria on face masks, shoes, coats, and any other garments they may wear when they venture outside the home. It's the most powerful handheld steamer with the turbo setting that quickly smooths away even the toughest of wrinkles. Works great on all kinds of clothes, delicates, shirts, you name it. Heats up fast and gives clothes that professionally press look in minutes. Try it and find out for yourself. Go to conair.com and search Turbo Extreme Steam. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.